Swaggo and Perk, a new ESPN-led podcast by its namesake host, NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears, that's Swaggo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as look inside their lives and career journey. But can't miss conversations as they welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing uh, late Monday morning. And I have some friends from New York on here. First off, just in from LaGuardia. Flying up from Charlotte, where he covered the Warriors losing Sunday night, their winning streak broken against the Hornets. Nick Friedel, five minutes into the hotel, and here he is. Beautiful LaGuardia, too. That yeah, it's it was the first time I've been in there. That walk though from plane to cab that hurts. In a hurry. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that you, you get your steps in. <laughs> That's Cassidy Hubbard, who's making her first visit to the hoop collective yeah well i'm not a stranger to the podcast as i told you brian this is well thank you this is my favorite podcast in all of podcast land Um, (laughs) it is the only podcast i listen to whenever i get the alert subscribe now if you have it (laughs) well thank you uh cass is the host of hoop streams which is extremely popular nba pregame show and I really feel like I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not standing next to him right now, but the hoop streams made Kendrick Perkins. We and, uh, true. Not saying we discovered him, but you know, we he was he was with us first. He was with us first as well. Right. Saying. Perk Perk ran his uh, his takes through hoops uh, hoop streams first, um, and also she's on a bunch of uh, sidelines. One of our top sideline people. Um, I know you were just in Boston last week. Um, what do you got coming up on the sidelines? Um, I got Lakers at Boston. I'm in Boston this whole month, <laughs> okay. um, which is like, it's like close, but I, it's far enough that I have, I'm still flying. Right. It's like the train um, four hours and yeah. Well, the train takes you from downtown to downtown. Yeah. But you know, but, you know, it is easier to fly. So uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, it'll be the day this pod comes out. So I guess we should say today. Um, Nets are at Warriors in a very interesting uh, early season game. And we're going to talk about those two teams right now. Um, Nick, you have been covering the Warriors and you've been on the road with them. And they're, they've, they, are, they were at home. How long was this homestand that they just pretty much swept? Eight. They went seven and one on it. Yeah. So now they start a long road trip. The Nets, by the way, just got off a six game road trip. Five and one. Five and one, which they're hello, 10 and four. Uh, look out. Yeah. And now they begin a little homestand. It's, it's, it's unusual. The Nets had a six game homestand and then a six game road trip and now a three game homestand. That's an unusual. And by the way, the, the road trip wasn't to the west it was just all east i think they played at new orleans so i guess they had one west game in there or no oklahoma city okay. so they had two west games and um that's that's, un- that's unusual scheduling but i don't know uh but that's one of the reasons why the whole Kyrie thing was weird as we said a few weeks ago he would have been not able to see any of his teammates or practice with them for two weeks and then he would have been with them for two weeks and then it just wasn't set up but nick we're gonna start with the warriors um steph is playing great uh, Jordan Poole is playing great. They're getting really good defense. Their defense is back. Wiggins uh, had a big game. They did lose Sunday night in Charlotte. But they have obviously been the best team in the league so far. They're 11-2. What, 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 what have you been surprised by uh, so far this season watching the Warriors? Day there's, day two, there's two big keys here. Draymond has come into camp in great shape and he looks awesome and so much of that is because he helped team usa win the gold medal in tokyo and steve kerr on down all says guys that was the turning point for draymond to start the season the way he is 
Defensively, he's been unbelievable. But secondly, it's the depth. This is a Warriors team. Last year, you weren't sure what the hell you were getting off that bench. Kelly Oubre. Uh, he Strength was the numbers. That's what Cass just said. They there you go. I mean, th that is the rallying cry always <laughs> with this team. But we're back in, you know, about to be. There should be some, you know, that they carry them over from Oracle. That's right. That's some right. Boxes. We're they're, they're they're still in there, and uh, in in the year 2022, it's still it's still rolling. But the difference is, you've taken Kelly Oubre out. You've taken. Ken Bazemore out, you've taken Brad Wanamaker out, and you've plugged in Andre Gudala, who nobody knows that system any better than Andre does. Bielitsa struggled in that Charlotte game badly, but he's been pretty solid to start the year. Otto Porter has been pretty good in his role. Damian Lee had a tough one in Charlotte, but he's been solid all season long. And then, oh, by the way, here comes Gary Payton the second. And so you have this team. Mitten. The mitten, <laughs> and and you have this team that is just loaded with depth. And I throw one more name out, Jonathan Kaminga, guys. That's somebody to keep an eye on. The rookie, he was the seventh pick this year. G leaguer. He right. He was he played on that ignite team. He has the athleticism and the size to defend whoever you kind of throw him on, and he's still so young and developing so much. So Kaminga and Moody have, have played well in short bursts. Juan Toscano Anderson is another guy. He can't even find time. He was a solid piece for them last year, but that is the key. And as we look ahead to this Nets Warriors game, I mean, Cass, you've got Steph who has been awesome, who you could make the case could be MVP this year. And you've got KD who has been awesome, who could be the MVP this year. So yeah. early on, You've got these two front runners, right, going after each other. And it's interesting. I mean, the fact that, like, just comparing them, because KD, and maybe it's unfair because, like, I'm thinking, I'm just, like, thinking about his injury. But, like, KD is better than I can even remember him being. There's, I mean, in the game um, last night, which today's Monday, so Sunday, um, there was a, like, he had a move where, like, in the second quarter, it was like a one-legged fadeaway, which we've seen it. But he's he's making people question whether they're doing this game right this year. <laughs> like, it's just, he's absurd. And then you have Steph, who you've been watching him close up. Is it what Steve said? Like, I would be surprised, but I've been watching it for the last seven years. Like, it's just... Like, what are you seeing out of Steph? Is it the same old just magic that we haven't appreciated because they haven't been at the top of the standings? Or is he better? Kaz, he's better. And I think we as basketball fans weren't giving Steph his just due because of KD. I mean, he led <laughs> because... the league in scoring. He led the league in scoring last year. Yeah. I mean, he was. And that was that's where it all started. Was... That, that couple you. month run last year where he was just dominating everybody he was unbelievable but Steph knew full well what people were saying before last season uh, I don't think Steph can can lead a team on his own he can't do it without KD he can't be the player that we were used to seeing before all this well guess what he can't and he's that good and he's in better shape cast to your point to what Kerr was saying than he's ever been and you put that all together and you have the start to this season looking very much like parts of that stretch run he was on last year. Has can he just even can, more can, muscle? Because last year that was a storyline that he like started lifting weights. He's got a little bit more muscle, but it's just you, the, the look of pure despair on defenders' faces when he gets oh hot God. and rolling is unlike wow. anything else in the league. When they are on the two-man game, he and Draymond, oh. uh, I mean, this has been true for years now, but really yeah. when you watch it, um, I, I, there's no defense for it because, I mean, it's all art. I mean, they obviously, they have certain things that they're going to do and they're going to read each other, but it's not like they go, uh, you know, elbow, you know, 15, and, you know, they run some straight pick and roll. Like, they do stuff where they read each other and move off and read the defender 
it's just not defendable where you or where Steph is going to get a shot. And the only way to really handle it is to throw an extra defender over there and make it three on two. And then you have Draymond operating with, you know, with three on two, the other direction. And you know, Draymond's going to find the open guy. It's just too hard to, it's just too hard to guard. It's too hard to guard. And what's happened without clay in the mix, these last couple of years, that two man game has blossomed. I feel maybe it's just because they're time together and they're learning, but without clay as an option. And they're like, well, we can't do this with the, with the, you know, all, you know, we can't get the same efficiency with the elevator door plays and the stuff off the court or off, off the ball. We have to work on the ball together to get it. It's going to pay dividends because that's just so hard to guard. But I want to take a quick detour because you would mention the MVP. Yes. I would say that if you took a little uh, look at the things right now, that, that KD and Steph would be up there, but I just want to point out real quick what Nikola Jokic is doing. In Denver. Um, not that I want to make this a Jokic discussion. I really want to talk about the Warriors. Not everybody believes in the PER, uh, which is player efficiency rating, but it's the one thing that we have where we can put everything that a guy is doing into one number. John Hollinger invented it like 20 years ago. And it's kept, it's kept track of, and, and they've applied it to all seasons in history. Right now, Nikola Jokic's PER is 35 Point oh six thirty five is what you need to remember. Okay, that means he is getting it done with efficiency we've never seen before. Just so you understand, that is the highest PER in history. Now only twelve games in for him, it's the highest PER in history by four points. So just to put it in perspective, the highest Michael Jordan ever had in PER was in the 87-88 season, back before Scotty when he was dominating, 31.7. And then later on, when he won his first title in 91, he was 31.6. The highest LeBron ever had was a 31.6 in 2008-9. That's the first year he won his uh, MVP. Giannis has currently the highest PER of all time at 31.86 when he won his second MVP, when he won MVP and defensive player of the year. And Wilt Chamberlain, who is the gold standard for just about any statistic, he a couple of times had th- had 31 PERs, the one year where he averaged uh, 50 points and 26 rebounds or 25 rebounds. Yeah, he had a 31 point something PER. So again, I'm going to say Jokic, 35 so far what he's doing this year. Durant, by the way, is it just under, under 30. So MVP level. PER so far, but Jokic in the West. Yeah. And I know that's a bunch of numbers. I just, it's, 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 it's my way of saying that Jokic is playing historic levels of efficiency right now, historic levels of efficiency. Um, So whatever that's worth, sorry for the detour, but, um, but Cass, when you watch the, the warriors, you have to, as you watch them, you have to realize that clay is not there. James Wiseman is not there. And not that I'm expecting Wiseman to come in and, and all of a sudden average 15 and 10, but those are two guys that they're going to get in this season. Yeah. So you look at them at 11 and two and they've had a favorable schedule, but they are upwardly mobile just on this roster. And just Kuminga as, um, as Friedel just mentioned, Kuminga has only just started playing in the rotation. He's, he's really been in the rotation for like the last week. Yeah, And he's obviously blossoming. That is something, obviously the Nets could get Kyrie at some point, but I don't know what's going to happen there. I know that Clay and Wiseman are coming back. Yeah, I mean, look, Nick laid it out perfectly because he kept going on and on about, you know, all the different weapons they have. I mean, even just focusing on a guy like Andrew Wiggins, this may have been the perfect team for him to join. Um, because let's be honest, like he's, he has star talent, but he doesn't have the star mentality. He doesn't really, he's, he never really wanted to be the it guy on the Timberwolves. And he's not the it guy with the Warriors and doesn't even have to be even kind of it-ish. Um, and, you know, it's it's a perfect fit for him. But another point that Fredell made was the the relationship between Draymond and Steph, which Nick, you were there on every Zoom call last year. That's basically what they talked about all last year, both Steph and Draymond, the two of them having to balance their championship mentality 
with um, growing and developing these young players. And so their bond has gotten um, stronger than ever. And his confidence coming off of that uh, Olympic run. Uh, and then, you know, the development of the younger guys being around Steph and Draymond. And now, and maybe this is an assumption because I'm not, I'm not in these, these press conferences um, or around this team, Nick, but like Andre, is he just like a nice glue between Steph and, and Draymond and the rest of the bunch in that locker room? Because he isn't the finals MVP um, Andre Iguodala, but he still has some game and, you know, can, can tie that bench together. He is the glue, Jess. He's the glue. He has brought everything together. I think Moody, Moses Moody, the rookie, put it perfectly <laughs> a week or two ago. He said that Andre sits there in meetings and he asks us questions that we know he knows the answers to, but he asks us just to make sure that we understand what's going on on the floor. And when you have that guy that everybody trusts and everybody looks to, it makes a gigantic, gigantic difference. But this is another key to why the Warriors have started so well and what's happening now in the next month or two. They all know Clay is coming back. They see it. They see him warming up in his jersey before games. I mean, that part of this cannot be overstated because – and the, that's energizing too, though. It's, it's not last year where you're just you're looking over at Clay and you're like, "Man, dog, this stinks for you." You know, it's like you're coming soon. We're we're rolling, and you're gonna join us. And you know, who knows what's gonna happen next? And that's part of why. And it's interesting because the the Charlotte game offered a peek into potentially the future. Because B, you mentioned the schedule has been easy. Frankly, they, they played a lot of bad teams early on, but they have dominated those bad teams. But what we saw in the Charlotte game was Charlotte is throwing everybody it can on Steph. And Steve Kerr in those last three minutes went with Looney, Draymond, Andre, and I believe Wiggins. And there's just not another guy in that group, especially with, Looney, Andre, and Draymond that you're trusting to shoot from the outside. They need Clay, and they're definitely going to need Clay in a playoff series. And so what teams are going to do is exactly what Charlotte did. They're going to say, Steph is not going to beat us. We are going to throw everything we can at him. He's going to have to make extra passes to find somebody else. The floor stretches out when Clay is out there. Maybe if Kerr decides to go with Jordan Poole, that's a, another wrinkle to it, but it does not stretch when he uses that group that he used on Sunday night. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Yes, I think also there's a question that I have in the back of my mind, Nick, and it's still a little bit early to know what the market will be. But if I'm Golden State and I'm looking at the lay of the land here, I'm like, why can't I win this thing this year? And how aggressive would they? I mean, there's been this stuff with Simmons that's been out there and Joe Lacob got 
fined for talking about it and basically saying we don't want them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, any sort of move where you may cash in some of these young guys and flip them for veterans or veteran, you know, who could really be a, uh, you know, a, a, a key addition. I think this is going to end up being a, 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 a difficult, I'm sure they're already thinking about it. Like, you know, what players they may target and how much they'd really willing to, to spend. Because as you look at this roster, um, this is a championship level roster if everybody's healthy and if everything goes perfect, but that may not happen. You know, you may have another injury or whatever. Clay may not bounce back as, as everybody thinks or whatever, um, you know, but they obviously are excited about these young guys. So how do you think they will approach that as the, as the, as February gets closer? I don't think money is going to be a factor here. Well, he, here's the thing about money. They have the, they have the highest payroll ever, I think, or they're close to it. Um, <laughs> Within the last year, they've taken on um, five, somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 million in, in capital um, because they sold a piece of the Chase Center and they also sold a piece of the team. Uh, and the team uh, f- f- uh, minority sale was valued the team at 5.5 billion didn't mean they got 5.5 billion it means that that's what they sold it for the highest valuation in the history of pro sports in america is what they is what that uh it was a private equity firm that paid for a piece of the team so i think between the two deals they got in the neighborhood of 500 million dollars now part of that was to help pay for the losses of chase center which was shut down for you know over a year which is their cash cow but um don't worry about the Warriors when it comes to money. Uh, they have it. They, they have it in every direction because all those shows and concerts are coming back. But uh, to, to this point, Steph made it very clear, guys, before the season. Joe Lake of the ownership group, they've made it clear to him, to Draymond, whatever it takes to do whatever we need to do. And I would factor into this conversation – the voice that especially Steph and Draymond have developed internally. So my feeling is if they go to Bob Myers and they say, and this is more January or February, but they say, hey, we need so-and-so. They're going to do everything they can to make it happen. But this is what makes the next few months so, so intriguing. Because put Clay's return aside, Wiseman just didn't fit last year. He had some nice moments, but he was – uh, not sure where to be. It was very clear that he didn't understand the way the Warriors needed to play. You don't think so, he's getting a little bit more of a bad rap than he deserves? No, I, I, I think having watched him night in and night out, the talent is there. And I, I, anybody who says, oh, he's a bust, Edwards went one, he's been great, Lamella went three, he's been great. It's way too early to say that by any stretch. Wiseman has the talent. He just he was unsure where to be, and he did not know how to play the style that Kerr and Steph and Draymond wanted. That comes with time. That comes with reps. But, again, in the context of this, if Steph and Draymond are like, hey, we need to go win this thing or try to this year, what does that mean as far as Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga? And especially, guys, with Moody and Kaminga, those two have have gr- drawn a great deal of respect early. So I don't think they're looking to move anybody, but it ties back into, well, what happens if the but right player... position nice too, you know? Like, right? isn't that exactly what you want? Your whatever uh, trade pieces, if you will, that make splashes early? It's all there, and they've got the draft capital as well. But I... I just I don't know who that piece would be a couple months from now that they think well, would push I mean, let's it. I think it'll be too, somebody on the fringes more. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think it's just more that I talk about their upward mobility. You know, that's what is um, that is what I think is not just in the players are going to get back, but what they but what they could do. I mean, if they're going to make a big move, the piece that they have that they'd be willing to move probably would be Wiggins. But um, but obviously it'd be Wiggins and something else, and you know you, you might be able to do something with that. But I don't want to. Wiggins is crucial yet. to this team, and right, Cassie, just, you brought it up. Oh, okay. Wiggins is crucial to this team's success 
right now. Well, so Brian, what what do you feel is missing for them to not be well, the championship contender against what we're looking at right now? Well, I think one of the things that you have to look at is how are they, you know, how are they going to defend big men? If they get, you know, th- there's some big men in this league that they're going to have to worry about in the postseason. Definitely. Not that there's a silver bullet available, but I mean, they have to be thinking about how they'd have to, how they'd want to handle Jokic, for example. Mm-hmm. They'd have to be thinking how they want to handle Anthony Davis, for example. Those are guys they could see in the playoffs that could, uh, that, that, that could be a factor. And then, you know, as, uh, as Friedel said, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say this, uh, you know, but with them, but they could use another, an, another shooter. Um, you know, Jordan pulls a little bit inconsistent. It wouldn't be bad to have a guy who could, who could help shoot you through a slump uh, in a, in a playoff game. So, you know, one of the things, when you look at them, they, they rank so high across the board in so many categories. So for example, they're the number three team in terms of offensive rating. Uh, in the league. That's awesome. They're the number one defensive team in terms of defensive rating. That, you know, is the kind of uh, profile that they had when they were winning their championships, which means, of course, that they're number one in net rating. They're so far ahead in net rating, which is the differential between, um, you know, basically, you know, you, you, um, your offense and defense. Um, per 100 possessions, they outscore their opponents by almost 13 points a game. Okay. Um, or 13 points per hundred possessions. That's the rating. And just to give, to put that in perspective, the number two team in that rating is the heat. They outscore their opponents by seven points per hundred possessions. That's, um, you know, they almost double up the heat. They're, they're number one in the league in assist percentage. Um, they're number one in the league in, uh, I think, uh, they're like one of the tops, in assist to turnover ratio. They're like in the top four of assist to turnover ratio. They're in terms of rebounding percentage. These are advanced stats, but key. They're number three in rebounding percentage. They're number, they're number one in overall rebounds per game, but number one in, um, in, uh, you know, in, in that number two in true shooting. I mean, like all of these numbers that we look at and say, boy, these really matter a lot. They're, they're there. And you say, oh my God, God, like that is the, uh, you know, and granted they've had a soft schedule, but that is what you look at and say, man, that Delta, that's a champion, but they're not near the top in three point percentage. That's the one area where they're down. Even Steph's numbers compared to last year, I haven't looked exactly to this point, but a couple of days ago when I looked, they were down. So, you know, they could use a little bit of help there. And I'm not saying you're going to cash in all your chips for that, but if you want to win a championship, if you want to win the championship, you got to constantly look to try to, uh, to try to improve that Nick. And the move w- is is possible in that they have the pieces to make something work. So uh, it's another wrinkle to a year where you go, the, who in the West right now even? And sure, we're a month in. There's plenty of time to go. But, Cash, you're watching these games just like, <laughs> like I am. Yeah. Who in the West are you taking right now? Uh, that you for sure well, know the, would the, not. The teams off. aren't complete. That you know, we don't have Jamal Murray. The Lakers are all banged up. The teams aren't complete yet. Yeah, I understand. Seen... But then, okay, we like we've been saying through the, the this whole show so far. Well, Clay Thompson's coming back. <laughs> like uh, Wiseman's coming back, and he gives them a dynamic that they don't have right now with an athletic big man who can get up and down the floor. Kevon Looney is beloved in that locker room, but he does not do what Wiseman does on, on good levels and on bad levels. So none of these teams are complete. And if it's me, I'm still taking Milwaukee or Brooklyn to potentially beat about a team. That's not complete. Exactly. But Milwaukee. to potentially beat a, and, a and Warriors you talk about team. Jokic's numbers, Brian, like what Giannis is doing this season with absolutely, I don't even like, I just did their game and he wasn't even, and he didn't, he missed his first game. Grayson yeah. Allen's out here just balling. I know this is not, we wouldn't want to talk about the, the box, but I mean, once they get complete. Well, the bucks, the bucks are two games under 500 right now. Yes. Giannis just came back. He missed two games with a sprained ankle. Middleton is supposed to be back. I think on Wednesday, he's missed seven games with COVID. Um, Holiday was banged up early on. Dante DiVincenzo isn't back yet. Lopez. Um, 
yeah, Lopez has been out with a back injury. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a buyout destination for a player later on this year. I, I mean, I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a, uh, on the dashboard, it's like a yellow light, you know, you're, you're, you're monitoring it, but I'm not really worried about them. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, when I look at the warriors, I'm like, Whoa, like I'm trying to evaluate like what they can do or, or where they're going to be, because I'm like, they're just, they're just a very exciting, exciting team. And I thought they were a big question mark coming. And I thought, I thought we would be wondering, you know, you know, where they would be, by the way, they're 12th and three point percentage so far. So like that means you're on Steve Kerr's uh, list, like his ARIA list where he's going to be crossing you off. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. What does that mean? I don't even I don't even know this he, reference. He said he said post game. What was it? A couple days ago about like he knew all the media members who guessing that they weren't going to, you know, they're going to be in the play in and he's just crossing their names off like Aria from Game <laughs> of Thrones. Please tell me you've seen Game of, Game of Thrones. I don't. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I don't like Game of Thrones. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't like I'm not into it. Dog. Did you I thought you're talking, it? I thought you you talking about the vague. I No, I haven't really even watched it. No. <sighs> I wish I was I'm not judging. I, I just go haven't back seen and it. watch it for the first time. I thought you were talking about like the hotel in Vegas. I was like, Aria, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, ah. Tell me you you cover NBA summer league without telling me you cover NBA summer league. <laughs> I don't. I haven't been to summer league in years, like Dang. seven or eight years. Yeah, because I cover Team USA. I I, I go out there. Yeah, he's above us, cast. That's that's I, next I, level my, stuff. My bad. You and me, we're in. You know, doing podcasts. <laughs> we're roughing it. It's a summer oh, league every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, you know. Kirk can say whatever, but like, I don't think he looked at this team and said, yep, we're going to be 11. Actually, they were 11 and one. You know, I don't think he saw, yeah, we're going to win 11 of our first 12. Well, so. and this is, but this is what I would throw in quickly on this. Who in the West right now? And nobody's complete. We all agree on that. But who in the West are you saying, yep, they're better than the Warriors? This is the conversation we have on press row every well, night. Well, nobody's right now. playing better. Nobody's playing better than them right now. But I'm saying fast forward, fast forward, like play it out a few months because Clay and Wiseman come back. And if Stephen Draymond stay healthy, I'm not saying that the Warriors are now suddenly going from out of the playoffs into the finals. What I'm saying is that if you're trying to break down potential in, in different series, like, we know how the Jazz go. The Jazz win a bunch of games in the regular season, and the mojo disappears in the playoffs. Phoenix is getting hot. Okay. And Phoenix could have won a title last year. The Lakers are a mess. The Clippers don't have Kawhi. Denver doesn't have Murray. I, like, it's setting up for something. I know, but like, but like, just, you know, Phoenix is nine and three, and Aiton has missed six games. Okay. Denver is nine and four. Murray hasn't played. Porter is out indefinitely. And Will Barton got banged up now. He's, you know, he's going to be out. You know, the Lakers are eight and six. We know all about the Lakers, but, you know, LeBron's missed seven or eight games. You know, I, I mean, I'm not like, I agree that you should be excited if you're a Warriors fan, but, you know, there's still a lot, there's still a lot more that's going to happen um, out there before you can really, really evaluate on a scale. Um, but I mean, I'll tell you one thing, if I'm, if I'm a team like golden state, 
you know, I'm looking at the lay of the land and I like where I sit. And that's why I'm saying they got to be thinking, what can we do with this team to make sure that we can do it this year? You know, if I'm in the East and I'm sitting out there and I'm looking how messed up the, the, the 76ers are, and I'm looking at the nets, even though, um, you know, we'll talk about them in a second, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, maybe they won't be quite as powerful as they could have been. You know, if I'm a team like Chicago, I'm thinking the same thing, you know, what can I do? This may be a chance for me. So I think, you know, Chicago and the, and the Warriors, of course, the Warriors just beat the Bulls the other night. Um, you know, I think that's, those are two teams that have to be sitting there going, boy, we love where we are based on where we maybe thought we would be in September. Um, whether you'd admit that or not, Nick, I mean, those, I mean, that's, that to me is, I think the, the case where the Warriors are, I think. But I know, think it's hard for them though, Brian, because, you know, you can't make a move until you figure out how Clay and Wiseman come back. It's a good point. So they're going to be in a situation because what Clay is going to come back January? Like, oh, no, no, no. I, I feel like it's going to be sooner now. Oh, Kerr said the other day, he said he the other day that this week is going to, he's going to hopefully, Clay is going to do some five on five. And once you Whoa, start doing, I didn't see that. Once Whoa. you start doing some five on five, breaking news. This well, just in. Well, but once you start doing some five on five, <laughs> there, it's only a matter of time because you start getting that contact well, when the Warriors. It's get a matter of time when you're coming back from an Achilles tear. Yeah, but I mean, I I still and think it's going to be a while. Yeah. yeah, but but I I would be surprised. We were just looking at the schedule actually, uh, sitting in Charlotte, and. I would be surprised if it's not one of those home games, unless there's some kind of setback in the next month, which, you know, we know with those kind of injuries, who knows, but they have a couple games just before Christmas. And then I believe it's a Denver game at home just after Christmas. I'd be surprised if clay isn't back in, in one of those. Cause it just feels like in the brief glances that we've gotten of him working out and granted that has been usually him getting individual work in, he looks like himself. You talk to people uh, inside the organization who see him with regularity, he looks like himself. So if he starts passing the test where on these five-on-fives where he's playing against the coaches they left behind on this road trip and, and some other periphery guys who are coming into the gym and he looks like himself, uh, I think they're, it's getting ramped up a, a little bit sooner than maybe uh, – people had initially thought early on. All right. So, but I'll tell you one thing. Let's see where the Warriors stand a week from now after they come on this. How many games is this road trip, Nick? You got three more. You've got Brooklyn Tuesday and then Cleveland, Detroit, Thursday, Friday. Uh, Cleveland's the... Cleveland's no gimme. That used to be like, uh, oh, Cleveland, Detroit, we can take it easy. <laughs> Cleveland's... Let's hanging go to in there and also and party <laughs> Kevin love uh, I think is gonna he's been out for a while with COVID really struggling uh, that was he had a, he had a rough case so um, he's close to coming back he could be back by that game so um, we'll see how the Colin Sexton is out. Been a couple players who've been talking about how their COVID cases have been really I mean Tobias yeah, yeah, yeah Tobias Middleton um, and I think Doc Rivers said that Joel has been struggling with it yeah. um, uh, you know, the thing is, it's happening. I mean, we're seeing a lot of guys who are vaccinated getting sick and um, a lot of them are getting sick and and um, and it's hitting them pretty good. Uh, the strain that's going around is hitting them pretty good. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why the Players Association, the league has basically said time for boosters. Right. Um, I think the J&J, they said, uh, if you got the J&J, they really want you to have it by the start of December. Um, and then if you don't have it by the start of December, you'll be considered not fully vaccinated. And I think they, I don't know if they mandated the sec, if you had Moderna or Pfizer, but I think they basically said you need to have that, try to have that by the first of the year. And they're doing that because they're seeing guys, um, uh, you know, with these breakthrough, with these breakthrough things. And, um, you know, a couple of our brethren in the media, have uh, have gotten it as well um uh and so um and they were they were vaccinated so i know that I, being around teams last few, in the last few weeks i'm very aware of it and being even more diligent than normal because um uh you know you're you're back around 
people and players again. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But, um, you know, we'll see where the Warriors are after this uh, this trip because already lost to Charlotte. Obviously have a very difficult game with the Nets uh, on Tuesday night. And then, um, you know, got to go play those places and they'll be the biggest games on that early part of their schedule for both Detroit and Cleveland. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that. Uh, so, okay. So the Nets, um, Cass, um, you're there in New York. Um, you uh, are, are very aware of what those guys are doing. Obviously we talked a ton about him in the early part of the season because of Kyrie. Um, we talked a little bit, we talked uh, about James Harden's struggles. Well, Harden is, um, is kind of rounding into form. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say he's back to the guy who was uh, w- almost winning the MVP for five consecutive years. But if you go look at his last few games, now, of course, he didn't play that great against Oklahoma City on Sunday. Um, he only shot one of eight on threes, only had 16 points. But before that, um, at New Orleans, uh, 39 points, uh, 12 assists in that one. Um, when they were at Orlando, 17 points, uh, 11 assists, couple of steals, uh, 11 rebounds, had a triple-double there. Uh, before that at Chicago, the only game that they lost on that trip, he didn't play as well, just four of 11, but uh, at Toronto, 28 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists um, uh, at Detroit, the start of that trip uh, had a triple double. So still not putting up the scoring numbers, um, but certainly, you know, contributing to winning and uh, that is something that is obviously what they need out of that guy, especially with Kyrie out. Yeah. I mean, look, his, his assist numbers have been pretty consistent. And the thing in, ta- in being around this team, you know, Hart has been pretty, pretty um, straight up about struggling with this recovery process and finding his conditioning level. Um whether or not you want to take this at face value, him saying it was part of the reason why he didn't sign the extension with the Nets was because he wanted to, he had a lot to prove to himself. And then obviously there's a bigger payday coming um, next summer if he didn't, but you know, he, his, his reasoning to himself was I didn't get a lot of work in this summer. I, you know, I want to motivate myself to, to get better in, 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 in talking to people around the team you know, Harden is doing whatever he needs for himself right now to get back right. Um, in sometimes not even thinking about, you know, KD in the situation. He's, I, I think he's starting to become more himself, but, you know, in watching some of the early games, like even his decision-making, like he, there was, there was a lot of like mental lapses for him early on in the season. And I think it was like a lot of frustrations of really dealing with his first serious injury Um, and, you know, figuring out how to, how to not be himself and work his way through that. And it's so, it's interesting. Like you can see that mentally Harden's going through it it was almost similar to like what was going on with, with KD last year. Like KD did not want to be asked the question, when are you going to be hundred percent again? Like he would have a visceral reaction to it. And I was on the, I was on the back end of a couple of post-game interviews last year about like, when I asked him like, you know, how much are you feeling like himself? And he just wouldn't want to answer that question. But this year, I mean, he's just like a gem to deal with. He's just like a ball of positivity, uh, Nick. And I don't know how much you you experience that at, at Golden State, but he's just, he's thoughtful. His leadership is just oozing out of him. Um, the conversation they're having with Steve Nash, like he's just saying like his patience with this team is um, admirable. And I think it's it's just all because he's mind and body feels amazing. And we're seeing that on the court. And I just bring that up because I just don't, I don't know if everything's connected with, with Harden yet, but he's getting there. Um, and I think it, it has been a struggle for him going through this injury um, and not, you know, playing as much as he did, as much as he's used to in the off season heading into this year. And Cass, I think part of it from a distance, at least, is that Kevin understands that without Kyrie and with Harden going through all the different things he's doing to, to get into shape as the year's going on, Kevin knew he had to set the tone. Yeah. He had to be that leader that, 
there was a void kind of everybody searching for. So uh, I think he has been unbelievable to start. I am just so, so completely intrigued by the Kyrie situation like everybody else. I mean, you've been around that team uh, more than either of us have. As we sit here right now in the middle of November, do you think that he reappears at some point? I mean, from what I'm gathering, like he's out of sight, out of mind right now. I mean, Steve Nash says he just texts him, but not about basketball. Um, I don't know what the communication is between. I can only imagine what it's like to text Kyrie about not basketball. Yeah, he says it's just life. Can you imagine what's said on that? Oh, my God. You know, and we know Josiah said to to our own young Masuk that he hadn't talked to him. Um, no, I mean the Nets are sending the very strong message, whether they're saying it to Kyrie or not. I mean, they just they just had an event with the governor like two weeks ago, right? Um, where they where they said, "Hey, we're going to give away tickets to people who get vaccinated." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're they're like leaning in, like while Kyrie is leaning back, they're leaning in. They're making it very clear what their position is, which allows uh, them to focus on their group. And they have a very adult group, if you will, you know, that's Paul, true. Paul Millsap, true. Marcus Aldridge, like those are grown up. Patty Mills, um, Patty Mills. Like he's, I mean, he had a huge game um, against the thunder. Like yeah, 29. He, and, and, and Kevin Durant loves Patty Mills. Um, he's just an easy guy to be around. He's a pro. And so it's, it's easy for this team to kind of focus in on each other. Cause you also have like this resurgence going on with these ad- adult players, as I've been calling them and, you know, LaMarcus kind of having this comeback and wanting to rewrite his narrative as he keeps saying, not wanting people to, you know, um, basically say his whole career is based on him retiring last year and then coming back um, Blake Griffin you know, Blake Griffin, it's hard for them because this is a small team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I don't know. Like Blake has been kind of a um, sore spot for them, in my opinion. And from afar, what have you noticed? Yeah, they, they could use, you know, they're asking him a lot. He's working hard, but yes. he's, he's playing. I, I, I will say this for, before we talk about the role players. Uh, Durant, um, you, you talked, Cass, about how, how uh, you know, how he's, he's in a good frame of mind he's changed his game a little bit this year. Uh, he's evolving to what's going on in the league right now. The league's oh, three point shooting is down. Um, guess what Duran is doing. Duran is taking fewer three pointers. Uh, I'm looking right here. He's taken the fewest three pointers per game that he has since 2012, 13, less than five a game. He's still shooting good on him. 43%. He's taken the most, mid-range shots of his career he's shooting he's taking 31 percent of his shots are coming from 10 to 16 feet classic mid-range um last year it was 25 uh, other points of his career like when he was with the warriors he was taking like 16 percent of his shots from the mid-range okay um and he is killing it from the mid-range he is shooting 64 percent on two-point shots this year so as they're as the three pointer hasn't been falling, and they they've allowed they're allowing people to be more physical on the perimeter, which makes it tougher to get open and tougher to get fouled on the drive. Durant's evolving his game, um, and it's working. You know, he's putting up. You know, I, I I said he's he's got higher PER numbers so far. I granted it's still early. He's got higher PER numbers than he than when he when he won his MVP. But um, it is still early. But that's been their weakness to start because their defense has been their identity. I mean, they currently rank first in defensive field goal percentage. Yeah. Holding opponents to just 42.6% shooting. They also rank seventh in defensive rating. Um, But their defense has been, you know, their bread and butter. All I don't really. Yeah. They're relying on him a lot to actually put the ball in the basket, which is good because he's the, you know, maybe the purest natural score in history. But he is um, he is working through a shoulder injury, so that's also true. concerning. So it's like if if they have to at some point play without KD or Harden now that he's getting going, like how far? Well, if, they, if KD gets hurt for any period of time, they're in 
there. enormous, enormous trouble. That, and that's when the Kyrie situation, that's where yeah. he, his presence enters back into that locker room. Like granted it's, it's an intriguing sidebar, but it's not the story around this team right now. You're right. having been around the team though. Do you think that there, do you think there are guys in there that are just like Kyrie, what the hell are you doing, man? Just take the shot. Like, has there been any? I think I think that's what they were saying in August, Nick. Yes. Now, yeah. yeah. I just I, I can't imagine because I lived it with the Warriors and with Andrew Wiggins, and Andrew Wiggins said what he said. You know, I I felt like in order to continue my basketball career, I had to get this shot. But the rest of the team was sitting there going, "All right, you know, we need this guy." And there came a point where not only did he want to get paid, but he knew he was part of something bigger than himself. He got the shot. He started to play better than he did to start the year. Everything's rolling. He thinks, too. He thinks he's part of something bigger than himself right now. That's I what just, I just I mean, can't imagine what's going on. But they've, I think Cassie said they've moved on. They've moved um, on. So I, you mentioned Aldridge, Cass. Um, he is playing. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because, you know, he's a terrific player. I mean, um, but he's 36, but he's, he's playing. Like I thought he was going to give them, you know, spot minutes off. The, I, I did not. I thought he would be their eighth man. And, you know, maybe every now and then he would, he would, you know, have a nice game, but he's averaging 13 points a game. You know, he's, he's shooting the ball, you know, and by the way, those 13 points a game, <laughs> you said they need those points. They need them. They need them off the bench. Um, he averaged, you know, 14 for the, for the Spurs last year. Um, but he was a starter, you right. know, I mean, he's averaging those 14 points in 20 minutes. Like that's important. And more, more important than that, he's been really efficient. He's shooting like 58, 59%. I mean, he's, he's always been a pretty good shooter. He's always had, uh, he's always been one of the better jump shooters amongst big men for 15 years, but like he's getting it done in areas where they really, really need it. And, you know, still rebounding, you know, okay. Um, you know, he's, you know, obviously playing a good part of their defense. Like I, I think he's been an, one of the unsung heroes in the entire Absolutely. NBA to this point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and he's working for it, you know, and my observations is him at practice. And I mean, he's the last person always um, shoot, you know, shoot around getting shots up. I just think, I mean, I don't, I haven't asked him this. I've had a lot of conversations with him about what it feels like to be back after what happened. I mean, he called it one of the scariest things um, has ever happened to him, you know, after he had that irregular heartbeat. And I was wondering if he was still at all concerned about it, you know, this condition affecting him in the future. And he said, no, I mean, we've gone through all the tests and it's pretty much past me. You know, I, I know what to do. I just need to get hydrated and, you know, I know the feelings that um, if I feel something off, then I'll go to a doctor. But for me, mentally, it's just past me. And that's why I'm playing this game with such joy right now. You know, he passed early on in the year, like he passed the 20,000th career point mark. And like, that was something he really, you know, wanted a part of his resume. Um and I, you know, I just, yeah, I think to your point, Brian, it's a really good story and they're going to need him because they still like, so a lot, there's a lot of talk about, you know, James Harden, not having that big man he can, you know, bounce off with. Um, and I just, I, I mean, I think they still need some, a, another presence down low, but he's been, He's been helpful. Yeah, well, year. especially because Nick Claxton's been out a big part of the season yeah. with an illness, a yeah. non-COVID illness. I think he's just now back, right? He just right. came back this last week. Um, that He's an important guy for them, uh, Claxton. I really like his future. But, like, you look at Aldridge. He had 23 points in a six-point win over Philly. He had 21 points in a seven-point win over Indiana. He had 16 points in a six-point win in Detroit. Like, he... <laughs> He is like being a difference maker in some of these games so far in a time where they're not a hundred percent. And that's, that's a <laughs> The guy's making a minimum salary. Right. I mean, that's a, that's exactly what you're hoping for in a player like that. And I don't know if he'll do it all year and maybe Blake will be a bit more of a difference maker later. 
and Aldridge will, you know, I don't think he's going to shoot 59% all season. Um, but it's been, I was, I was indifferent on, on his coming back to the, to the nets. I was like, okay, fine. And, um, and look, I mean, maybe Paul Millsap, who's now away from the team for personal reasons, like maybe Millsap comes back and, you know, he has a stretch of, of 15 games, you know, in March where he's doing stuff like this. This is what you have to do from a, from a championship team that has a bunch of veterans on it, Nick. This is what you prepare yourself for in the next few months, be getting ready for the postseason. And when I watch the Nets from a distance, we know the brilliance of KD. Kaz mentioned that Harden's coming along and seems to be rounding into form, but you're just looking for guys to contribute and get ready for whatever's coming in the future and in the postseason. And, and Cass, I, I will defer to you again, having watched this team. Do you believe that if this team is the way it looks right now, that they can still win a title? It's like I want, I want to talk out of two sides of my mouth because I just, as great as Steph is playing, I think he's playing just beyond I just, I, I still think Kevin Durant's the best player in the league right now. Um, and if he continues to play that way, there's no stopping it. But I, I do feel like they have a weakness in numbers compared to the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and there's not much they can do with it because unlike the Warriors, they don't have, they don't really have trade assets because they've traded away all their picks. Yeah. Um, they, they, they don't have like guys on their roster that are real tradable, even if they wanted to. I mean, I guess Joe Harris, but you trade Joe Harris, you're you're his ankle on Sunday, by the way. Yeah. He's going to be, be out a little bit. Um, but you know, you, you know, you don't really have, you know, you, you you know, if you replace, if you trade Joe Harris, you got to find a guy that's as good as Joe Harris to come in and have those numbers. Um, and they've even to, to get off of Deandre Jordan's salary, um, in that um, dump, I think they sent him to Memphis. I just want um, to develop Cam Thomas some more. I mean, he's had- yeah. Well, I mean, again, you're if you're hoping for rookies, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I guess you could trade one of those guys, but again, they have a small salary, so it's going to be hard. But, um, but in that DeAndre Jordan trade, they sent out all their money, so they can't even like use their buying power. They can't even say, "Well, we're going to send you money or whatever." Um, they are not as upwardly mobile as the Warriors are in terms of improving their roster, um, in my view. But um, I could be wrong. They could get Kyrie Irving back, and that would be a heck of an upgrade. Um, but I just I don't think we can assume that right now. Uh, but it's a big game. Um, it's you know as far as um, mid November. I mean, both teams are playing well. Um, you know the the Nets are back at home for the first time in a while. So, you know, you sometimes don't always play your best when your first game back off a long road trip, but um, there'll be the, the, the teams will be rested. Um, they both had to, to play on the road on Sunday. So there's no advantage there. Um, you know, we'll see how everyone's health is um, where Durant's shoulder is and everything, but um, I'm excited about this game. So this is certainly one of those games where you definitely like, I got to watch this because you know, we could get we could be getting into uh, into May and be like, oh yeah, I remember when they played that game back in November. Well, that game was when Harden had thirty seven or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because that just could be something that we see again in June. Hey B, I have a quick question. What can we assume with Kyrie? <laughs> when you said you're really intrigued with Kyrie, you meant it. <laughs> I just, I, 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 we're sitting here saying. Well, I we can't think, assume. I think we can assume he's not getting the shot. Getting <laughs> well, the there shot. you go. So maybe so, the playoffs so, will ter- there will be a different story, but he ain't getting the shot anytime soon. That is not a yeah. uh, source so, uh, opinion. I mean, I, to be honest with you, if we get to the point in the country where COVID is level is low, where it's no longer needs to have those mandates, um, I will be so thrilled that Kyrie can come on back. But um, the numbers are creeping up again nationally. And uh, we saw with COVID, I'm certainly not uh, a scientist or an epidemiologist, but we saw last winter, last December, January, a, uh, a spike because it looks like it could be a seasonal 
uh, a seasonal virus. And we're already seeing the numbers after going down pretty significantly for the last six or eight weeks. We're seeing them creep up again. We're definitely seeing it coming up in the NBA. And so I don't in the short term foresee a change in the COVID stats or a change in uh, New York City politics. And I don't see Kyrie getting the shot. So really, other than just just checking off the box of mentioning that he's not there, I don't think there's any difference. And I think that's the way the team's looking at it. I'm not there with them. I'm going to see the Nets, next, Nets, the Nets next week. But I'm not even sure I would even ask any questions about it because I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't see the mandate changing for a year, you know, at least like in New York city, not in the most populated city in our country. Yeah. Not with a political climate there. No. So uh, have fun playing flag football. All right. Thank you to cast. Thanks for coming on your first appearance. Won't <laughs> this be the last an honor. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks Hope for to see me. you out there on the road soon. Nick, take care. Enjoy New York. Stay safe. Remember, the COVID numbers are going up. Be careful. Thanks for listening to Who Collected Podcast. We'll talk to you later this week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.